So I want to I want to start the message today by by asking a, a question. Um, you can put up your hand if you like, if if you can relate, or you can just sit quietly, or you can shout out. Um, but I wonder if, if there's any of you sitting here this morning that have ever faced a, a challenging situation where you feel like just running away. Anyone got some got a show of hands? You know, you've come up against something um, and we think to ourselves, I can't do this. Or I don't want to deal with this. You know, perhaps if I just um, stay in bed and I pull up the covers or I stick my head in the sand... Um, is another way of putting it, or I turn my back and I just walk away, that this situation, this challenge that I'm facing will just disappear. Yeah? Anyone experience that? Anyone can relate? You're in that space? I can relate. For me, I've had, I've had numerous times where, where that has been the case in a whole different areas of my life. Moments where I just throw my hands in the air and I say, I am done. I cannot do this anymore. Now, last weekend for me could have been one of those moments. Uh, many of you know that, that I, I travelled uh, down to Adelaide with my son Tobias um, for an operation on his hand. Um, and Tobias has Down syndrome and, and is a bit of a challenge at the best of times. And, and that was a considerable challenge for me to take on. Uh, my amazing wife, Alison, sitting over there, is, is usually the one that handles all of the medical appointments and therapies. And, and there's lots of them. It's a full-time job. And due to circumstances... Um, of family life, of logistics and a whole heap of other reasons, um, we decided together that I'd be the one that would take Toby down for this operation, down to Adelaide. Just me and Toby. <laughs> and I, to be honest, I really don't like travelling at the best of times. I really don't like planes. I don't like the process of getting on planes. I don't like the flights. I don't like the getting stuff at the end. Um, And then I had Toby. <laughs> and so over the last weekend, there were numerous times when I found myself confronted with challenges that I wasn't sure I could get through unscathed. You know, could I get through the airport check-in with Toby, a stroller, a car seat and a cot that all needed to go with us? Could I get through security with Toby and our carry-on luggage and I've got laptops and iPads and and I had to take the belt out of my pants. <laughs> Could I get through security with my pants? <laughs> Thankfully, Alison was there with me when we left, so she helped to get through that first part, and we survived. And then, and then there was four hours of, of me and Toby sitting in the same spot on a plane, and getting to the destination without the entire plane load of people going, <laughs> complaining about what was going on. And that was just to get down there. And then, and then, you know, there was their hospital and, and the operation and all the questions and forms, trying to remember his birth date over and over and over. I've got four kids and it's really hard. And then there was the recovery and the list went on and on and on of the challenges that I had to face. And yet here I am standing with you this morning, sharing this message. Thank you, Jesus. And... 
and Toby is around somewhere too. He's got a sock on his arm. If you see him with it in his mouth, tell him to get it out. Um, but, but we're back. And the surgeons were really happy with, with the results and, and he's recovering well. I've got to go back in three weeks' time to get the bandages taken off, so prayer for that would be great. But I am certain that all of what has taken place was possible because of our awesome God who went before us and the faithful prayers of the people here that were covering our time away. And I want to say thank you to everyone who prayed and thank you to God that it went as smooth as what it did. You know, yes, there were, there were moments of challenge and yes, I came back to town completely exhausted, but here I am. Thank you, God. And leading up to while I was going away and then while I was away, God has, has placed on my heart something to share with you about challenging experiences. And we're going to look at the challenging experiences of one of the prophets in the Old Testament this morning, the experiences of one of God's messengers and his name is Elijah. And we first hear about Elijah in a time when the Israelite nation had decided that they needed kings to rule over them. And so there was this long line of kings who gradually over time have moved further and further away from God, the God who rescued them from slavery in Egypt. And they did more and more terrible things. And there was King Ahab, he was the king in power when we first meet Elijah. And we are introduced to him in the book of Kings. In 1 Kings, you can look it up later on, 1 Kings 16 is where we meet him. And it says that Ahab was a king who did what was evil in the Lord's sight. In fact, he was more evil than any of the kings who had come before him. He even married Jezebel, the daughter of a king from a neighbouring country, and they worshipped other gods. They worshipped Baal and Asherah. And King Ahab introduced those religions. In fact, he mandated those religions into Israel and he built a temple and an altar to Baal and he established Asherah poles. And Queen Jezebel brought with her 450 priests of Baal and 400 priests of Asherah to serve her and her gods. And it says that King Ahab did more to provoke God's anger than any other king in the history of Israel had done before him. And that's at the point that we meet Elijah, God's prophet, God's messenger. And you can read his story in 1 Kings 17 to 19, and I want to encourage you to read through it. But I'm going to give you a brief rundown, because there's a whole heap of stuff that he experiences that I want us to know about this morning. And so the first thing that Elijah does is he goes to King Ahab and he declares that there will be no dew or no rain for the next few years until he says so, until he declares, until Elijah declares that the drought would be broken. And then God essentially hides Elijah away and miraculously sustains him. He sends him to a river and, and sits under a tree and he gets water from the river, and every morning ravens would bring him food. And then eventually, because of the drought, the river dried up, and so God instructs Elijah to go, and he, and he lives with a widow and her son. And he gets there, and because there's drought and famine, there's, there's very, they've got very little left. They've got enough flour and enough oil to make one loaf of bread, and that's it. But he moves in with them, and he instructs them to cook and the whole time that he stays with them, 
that small amount of flour and that small amount of oil never run out. And then while he's staying there, the, the widow's son, he gets sick and he, he gets sicker and sicker and eventually he dies. And Elijah goes and he prays over his body and he's brought back to life. And then three years into the drought, God instructs Elijah to go and present himself back to King Ahab. And King Ahab, mind you, has been looking everywhere for him because Elijah was the one to blame for the drought. And in fact, his wife, Queen Jezebel, had been going around killing off all of the other prophets of God. But faithfully, Elijah does what God instructs him to do and he goes and he finds King Ahab and he instructs King Ahab to gather the entire nation of Israel together and all of the priests of Baal and all of the priests of Asherah and to go to Mount Carmel and there's going to be this showdown, a, a test between the priests of Baal and Asherah and Elijah to see who the one true God is. And so everyone gathers together and, and they, they both build altars. The priests of Baal build an altar and they, they sacrifice a bull and they place it on top. And then the challenge is that Elijah tells them they need to call down their God, to call down fire onto their sacrifice to burn it up. And so the, the priests of Baal, they dance around and they make a noise and they end up cutting themselves and doing all sorts of crazy things and of course nothing happens. And then Elijah, at the end of the day, Elijah comes and he gathers everyone around and he prays to God and immediately God sends fire down to consume everything, the entire altar. And then that results in, in the priests of Baal being captured and killed and the entire nation of Israel turns back to God. Pretty phenomenal. And then Elijah's story continues where he then prays for rain for the drought to be broken and he has to pray seven times but he faithfully prays and he prays and then he sees this cloud forming in the distance and he says to King Ahab, you better get on your chariot and go home or you're not going to make it and the storm comes. God hears Elijah's prayers and brings rain but not only that, he then gives Elijah this special strength that enables him to run faster than the chariot and he runs back in front of King Ahab all the way back to the city. And so time and time again we see Elijah, in Elijah's story, these challenges that rise up and time and time again we see God showing up with solutions and provisions that seem impossible in our human thinking, in our human understanding. And so he runs back in front of this chariot. So he tucks his robe into his belt and he takes off. And King Ahab, he, he gets home and he goes to his wife, Queen Jezebel, and he says, Elijah's just defeated all of your priests and killed them. And how does she respond to that? And we can read that in 1 Kings 19 verse 2 which is going to be up on the screen. It says, so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed them. 
And so here is Elijah after experiencing all of this stuff. How does he respond? In the very next verse, in verse 3, we read this. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Despite all that had happened, despite all of the experiences of this awesome and powerful God, when confronted by this threat from Queen Jezebel, Elijah, filled with fear, flees for his life. And so he travels out into the wilderness and he lies down under a tree and then he prays, and we read this in verse 4, I have had enough, Lord. Sound familiar? Take my life, for I am no better than any of my ancestors who have already died. I have had enough. And then he lies down and he goes to sleep, only to be woken up by an angel who tells him to get up and eat. And he sits up and he finds hot bread and a jug of water under a tree out in the middle of the wilderness. And he eats and he drinks. And then he goes back to sleep. And then again he is woken up by this same angel who has again provided him with food and water and this time instructs him to eat and drink because he has a long journey ahead. And so he eats and he drinks and from this one meal he then travels for 40 days and 40 nights. And he travels to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, the place where Moses met with God and received the Ten Commandments. And there Elijah finds a cave and he goes in to spend the night. And it is here that the Lord speaks directly to Elijah. And he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Despite everything that had happened, despite all that God had done, Elijah, filled with fear, declares that he has had enough and he runs. But not only that, God provides the sustenance that he needs to run. And then once he reaches that place, once, you know, perhaps once he reaches that place where he feels safe and secure, a place where Queen Jezebel is not going to find him, the place where he knows that God's presence is, God questions him, what are you doing here? You know, as a, as a Christian, as a, as a follower of Christ, I take great comfort in that experience. Here is this incredible man of God, Elijah. He's filled with faith and yet he experiences a moment of challenge and a moment of fear and he runs. I can relate to that. This experience that Elijah has, it, it highlights more and more about the nature of who God is. You know, that God allows us in, in our humanness to run and yet He doesn't abandon us because He's always there and He's always waiting for us. You know, perhaps you are here this morning and you are going through circumstances and you feel like you've had enough or you've, you're filled with fear and uncertainty and anxiety and you just want to run. Perhaps you have already run. But God is here 
and he is saying to us this morning, what are you doing here? But not only is he saying, what are you doing here? He is saying, I am here and you are loved. You know, perhaps you are in that place, the same place as Elijah, where you are throwing your hands in the air and you are saying, I have had enough. Today, God wants, wants us to know that He is here and that He is the provider. And He doesn't want you to be in that place of fear or doubt or uncertainty because He's going to sustain you and He's going to bring about His victory his victory in your circumstances. You know, there are moments that we will encounter where we have this choice whether to run or to stand firm. And again, I find it so encouraging that even in Elijah's experience, with all of these incredible, miraculous experiences he had of God and his power, that even he felt like running. And even though he ran, God was there. And God provided the sustenance that he needed to run, to be in a place to feel safe, to then come and say, what are you doing here? I am here and you are loved. What an incredible, generous and loving Father God we have. Every person in this room this morning is loved by God. Maybe you have run. He is saying, I am here. Maybe you've never actually turned to him. He's saying, I am here and you are loved. And I'm reminded of the beautiful promises that God makes to us in Psalm 139. I just want to read that to us now. It says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up and you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything that I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. And such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your presence. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Are you not encouraged by these words of God? There is nowhere we can run. There is nowhere we can hide. There is nowhere where we can go that we will be away from God and His loving arms. And He is there and He is ready and He is waiting for us and possibly at times He is saying, what are you doing here? I want to remind us this morning to turn our eyes to Him, to take our eyes off the situations, off the challenges and to fix our eyes on our incredible God. To know that it doesn't matter how far we've run, that He is waiting for us to turn to Him. To turn to God who loves us so much and wants to be in relationship with us. 
He never abandons us. He is always there and there is nothing that can separate us from his love. There were moments in my time away where I could have turned and run. When Toby was in surgery, where my mind was going to places that were not helpful. You know, I had to, I had to escort Toby into the operating room so that I was there to comfort him as he went to sleep. And that was probably the hardest thing I had to do in the time away. And it was really confronting. I don't know if you've ever experienced watching someone go to sleep on an operating table. Because it wasn't a natural going to sleep, but it was a forced going to sleep. And they'd already given him some drugs, so he was almost asleep anyway. He was really, he was zonked out of it. But they put the mask over his face and you could see his body fighting every step of the way not to go to sleep. His arms were flailing, he was struggling, and it felt like it lasted for minutes, but it was probably only about 10 seconds. And then he went to sleep, and immediately I was escorted out of the operating room. They, they essentially pushed me out the door. They said, right, time to go, get out, because they had a job to do. But I was left with all of those images in my head of my little man struggling. And I found myself listening to voices of doubt and voices of fear and outcomes of all of the things that could possibly go wrong. And in that moment, I had a choice to listen to those voices to listen to the fear, to keep playing those pictures of him struggling over and over in my head, or to draw my attention to our amazing, miracle-working God and remind myself of the promises that are in his word, just like in Psalm 139. To remind myself of all of the times that God has shown up in my life. The fact that he was on the operating table for that surgery is a miracle. He wasn't supposed to make it past 12 weeks. That's what they said. Thank you, Jesus. And so I had this choice to either remind myself of who God is and to remind myself of, of other experiences that I'd heard, the testimonies of others that I've heard in this place and, and through relationships that I had, to remind myself of the examples in the Bible of, of who God is, like the example of Elijah, the things that he experienced and the fact that even he struggled and at times he struggled to maintain his gaze on God but that God remains and he is faithful and I drew my attention to God and his promises and I encountered the most unexplainable peace and sustenance for that time that he was in the operation. I want to encourage us today that God is faithful and that no matter what challenge comes, that he is there and he is journeying with us. And he's going to sustain us and he's going to maintain us if we keep our eyes on him. Listen to his voice. Listen to his promises. I wonder, in your situations, what voices are you listening to? 
in those moments of challenge, what voices are you listening to? Are you like Elijah and listening to the voice of the enemy? Remember that God is with us. And he is here and he has given the gift of his Holy Spirit which is in us. He is never far away. So fix your gaze on him. And as a church, we have had a whole heap of incredible things going on of late, yeah? God is at work. You know, we have seen vision that has been placed on the hearts of the leadership from 10 plus years ago being fulfilled right now. We have our cafe opening We have food for life running. We have our community shed that's in the works over there. We have the beginnings of Lifehouse Ministry to reach out to this community and those that need it most. We have this incredible facility. And it is so exciting to see all these things coming together. I have been on this journey. This is an incredible journey that God has us going on. And he is at work and he is active. And, and as I've prayed coming into this year and, and the start of this year, I've been praying over the church. I've been, I get the privilege of leading up the worship ministry here. I've been praying over that. And I know that God is going to do something amazing. I've said this to the worship team. There is something huge coming. God is moving and he is active. It's in our worship it's in all the different ministry areas, the cafe, the, just the way that that has launched is incredible. And these two guys sitting down the front here, they are awesome. But let me say, I really just, I just want to stop here. If you can help these guys out on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or Saturday, please do because these guys are going to burn out like that. The number of hours you guys are putting in is phenomenal and I want to honour you for that but we need to support them in that, Okay. So just be thinking if you can. I've got a little bit sidetracked here. So I am excited about what is happening in this place. We should all be excited about what is happening in this place. And God is saying, people of Cornerstone, get ready. Because he's going to move in incredible ways. And as I was flying back home from Adelaide with Toby earlier this week, I was gazing out the window at the amazing desert landscape that was below. I was also gazing amazingly at Toby, who was sound asleep. (laughs) A miracle, because 45 minutes before that, he was racing at full speed around Adelaide Airport. You know those travelators? Yeah, they were broken, but he was running, he was doing laps. I think he did about 10 laps in the end, which was great. Anyway, I found myself in this quiet moment. However high I was, I don't know. Dean, what's the cruising altitude? 13,000 metres or something? Yeah, something like that. And I was reflecting on what I was going to preach on today and the story of Elijah and the things that I'd experienced and what God was placing on my heart. And I was reminded of words of prophecy that were spoken over our church a number of years ago, that we would be a church that just loves. In fact, that we would be a church that loves people that others wouldn't. 
And I truly believe as I stand here today that that is who we are. And as I sat there and I reflected on that, God placed on my heart a message which I've written down and I'm going to share with you. So listen up. The people of Cornerstone will be and are known for their love. But more than that, the people of Cornerstone will be known for their generosity. Those who don't know me will receive and know me through the love and generosity of my people. I am calling you, Cornerstone, to be people who love just as I love and be generous just as I am generous. To see this city transformed. This is not about making a name for yourself. This is not about making a name for Cornerstone. This is about declaring my name, the name of Jesus in this city. Amen. God wants this city transformed. Do you understand that it's bigger than just sitting here in these walls? He wants to transform this city through the love and through the generosity of his people and himself. And God is giving us a choice today, and this might sound a bit harsh, but this is how it came to me, is either get involved, commit to the work, or get out of the way. God is inviting us to be part of this incredible thing that he has in store. He's inviting us to take part in what he has planned, and I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. And I'm so excited to see what God is going to do and we need to be ready. I want to encourage us here today to keep our eyes on Him. To know that He is faithful. To know that He is always there. And that He is inviting us in to be in relationship with Him but also to be a part of the incredible things that He has planned. And so what I want us to do now, I'm actually going to finish up here, but I'm going to put up on the screen the words that I read out. And I want us to just sit and spend a few minutes reading over these words. To reflect on them. To pray on them. To seek God on how you respond. And then we're going to have a short time of worship And then we're going to finish and have morning tea. But as we do that, let me pray before we just spend a few moments in reflection. Lord God, I just thank you that you are alive and you are active and that you are present and that you have incredible plans, not just for us as individuals, not just for us as Cornerstone, but for this city and beyond. God, I just pray that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. God, for each one of us here this morning, I pray that you would, you would highlight areas of our life that are holding us back from deeper relationship with you. God, I pray that you would, you would highlight any attitudes or perceptions of the things that are going on and, and that are impacting our effectiveness. 
Lord God, I just pray that you would help us to trust you in every single circumstance. Help us to remember that nothing is impossible for you. God, I thank you that no matter where we find ourselves, that you are there. Help us to listen to your voice. Help us to listen to your prompting, to seek your face. Even when challenges rise up that seem impossible, God, because you are the miracle-working God and nothing is impossible for you. God, we want to seek your face. We want to trust in you. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen.